Good afternoon. My name is Andre Dukes. I am the Vice President of Family and Community Engagement at the Northside Achievement Zone. And I'm also an alumni of the University of Minnesota Infant Mental Health Master's Program there. I am so delighted today to uh, have a very important conversation around the child welfare system and um, how it impacts fathers. And I'm happy to be joined today by Gil Domley, who is at Hennepin County, and he is a senior administrative manager in human services and oversees equity work, community engagement, and staffing management and payroll, as well as information sharing framework. Um, and I'm going to uh, be interviewing Gil today around this subject, but prior to that, I would like to just provide a little bit of context for this conversation this afternoon. Um, evidence is clear that the development of young children is heavily impacted by their family and community environments. As parental roles and family structures have evolved with socioeconomic conditions and developmental research, family systems perspectives have informed our understanding of the changing contributions of fathers in child development. We are now gaining greater insight into the well-being of mother and child being a shared responsibility of the mother, father, and other caregivers upon conception. Research suggests that in terms of dual responsibility, both mothers and fathers are capable of providing basic caregiving that infants and young children need for survival and healthy development. There is also evidence that multiple caregivers make independent contributions to children's social, emotional, and cognitive development, and that mothers and fathers differ in type, degree, and quality of parenting interactions and experiences related to young children. What we know is that outcomes for children are statistically better when a child has both a mother and father contributing equally to their well-being. Child welfare systems are designed to make decisions that are in the best interests of the child. Yet the overwhelming focus of child welfare policy, practice, and research um, is mothers. Too often, fathers are at a disadvantage as it relates to their contributions and interests, which can have an adverse effect on the family systems, and in some cases, the developmental well-being of children. There is a perception that marital status and income are weaponized to marginalize fathers in cases of child custody, and there are great disparities in how rulings are applied across race and class. Fathers often report feeling powerless and invisible and lack representation that adequately advocates for their needs. Some studies have shown that most social workers in child welfare are women and view the father as a risk or irrelevant to the mother and child. All of these dynamics play a role in a father's level of involvement in the life of their child. And the bottom line is that most fathers want to be involved and can be undeniable resource to both mother and child throughout development. There is a need to move child welfare systems from the focus on surveillance to support overall. But this is particularly important for fathers who are viewed as a financial resource without regard for the biological, emotional, and developmental contributions they make. There is also a need for social workers to be more inclusive of fathers in case planning and more resources are needed that are directed at the father and promote more equitable solutions to child well-being. And so with that context, I am happy to be joined again by uh, Gil Domley, who um, is doing this work with fathers and has had such a extensive background in working with families um, in multiple disciplines, 
but I want to give Glenn just a moment to introduce himself and tell us about a little bit about himself personally, but a little bit about his professional background as well. Andre, thank you so much for that um, um, wonderful introduction and, and setting the context for our uh, time together today. So again, my name is Gil Domley. Um, a little bit about me personally as I step into this space. Um, you know, I am a uh, husband and father of six children, uh, three boys, three girls. My youngest is 18. My oldest will be 30 in November. I'm a grandfather of four, two boys and two girls. My um, youngest granddaughter will be here in August. I'm so excited about that. But in addition to those things, um, you know, I uh, didn't grow up with my biological father. Um, I had um, my, my mother's husband that raised me. He's the only father that I knew growing up. I did meet my biological father in adulthood. And I've had other father figures as well. Um, I was a teen father. I entered into parenting at 16. And I had, uh, you know, three children by the time I was 19. I had, you know, I entered into fatherhood and parenting at an off time, um, married at 22. And, uh, really kind of went through, I grew up with my kids, probably is a better way to say that. Uh, and um, from a professional standpoint, I started my work in the late 90s as a youth counselor, working with uh, uh, children that were in a detention center, separated from their families and community, and noticed then uh, oftentimes that I would be working with young people and families where the father was absent. Uh, I then moved from there into working as a case aide in child protection, noticing the same themes, but even more starkly as I was involved with different cases, supporting the social worker at the time and really wondering, what are we doing to engage the fathers here? You know, and it was really kind of, it depended on the worker a lot of times. From there, I did some, I was a program coordinator for Father's Program that I helped to uh, uh, build out. Um, I was a uh, correctional worker with the Bureau of Prisons, again, working with uh, fathers and families in the context of uh, incarceration. Um, along with that, I've done child welfare case management uh, for Project Hope that was really geared towards working with African-American families to uh, keep them from moving uh, into the child protection system. It was really kind of a early intervention uh, type of work with uh, African-American families. I've done child protection social work, uh, working with families. I've been a child protection supervisor, program manager, and currently serve uh, in the space of uh, human uh, services senior administrative manager with Hennepin County. So that was felt like a mouthful. I could say more, but I think that's probably going to be help most helpful for folks at this time. Wow, Gil. I mean, you have such a rich background um, in, you know, social work and counseling, uh, community work. Um, and then your your personal story is just so compelling. Um, and we share um, a similar upbringing in that I, um, too, did not grow up with my biological father, but had a father who taught me um, what it meant to be a man and really um, gave me an example of fatherhood. And um, when my wife and I got married, my oldest son was 12 years old. And so I tried to parent him the same way that I was parented, which didn't work so well but um, really had to put myself in the shoes of a learner and allow my youngest son to teach me how to be a father. And so we just learn through experience. There's no manual on how to be a parent and there's no supplemental resources for a father, <laughs> but uh, we learn through experience. And so um, I wanna just pose this question to you. Why is it from your perspective 
Why is it important to think about fathers when supporting children from a systems perspective? And what unique roles do fathers play? Thank you, Andre. Wonderful question. Um, you know, it's, it's a rich question because, you know, fathers have so much to offer. And, and, and that, you know, when we think about fathers and, and defining that role a little bit, it's more, some, it's more than just the biological aspect of it. it it's so much more than that. It's, yes. you know, it's social, you know, engaging, you know, teaching kids how to interact with our world very much. It's um, by their example, uh, and it's by certainly teaching, but I think, you know, I have um, a father figure in my life. I'm also an ordained minister and uh, uh, my father in the gospel from my community uh, is a great father, great father. And he, he, he often says, uh, I remember hearing him say more is caught than mm -hmm. taught. Yes. And so fathers just by, by virtue of their presence, in their children's lives they're teaching kids kids are learning watching and uh so there's so much there to be uh gleaned from fathers and, and for fathers to share and fathers have a great desire to invest in their children it's not just about wearing the title but fathers are interested in investing in their kids and investing in the society investing in the future Absolutely. through the vehicle of fatherhood and you know um not only that you know i think about the well-being of the mothers mm -hmm. of children are impacted Absolutely. when fathers are involved in positive ways regardless of the structure yes you know and so when fathers are engaged uh and involved um and from a system perspective it really enhances uh, uh, the well-being of the, the family system, if you will. Yeah. You know, I think uniquely to your to your question about the what fathers contribute. You know, I think about the social emotional development. I think about the cognitive development, the physical development. As fathers tend to be a little bit more hands-on and you know throw them up in the air and, and tumble, uh, yeah. <laughs> tickling and you know, playing with toys differently, um, giving kids space to, you know, it's okay to run out in the yard and I don't have to follow right behind you. I'm here. Kids learn that security that you can go a distance and come back and I'm going to be here. And that's such a powerful thing for kids to, to know that whole issue of, of attachment, having some security. I, I know for as much as this world is big and, and scary at times, there's parts of it that are predictable for me. Yeah. And fathers can contribute to that sense of predictability. I can go out and try things and do things and be safe. Yes. And it's so important for children to be able to take risks. And fathers usually allow that space for children to go out and explore their environment, but also be that secure base and be responsive when a child needs that connection. And that's so important for development that, you know, children both have an opportunity to feel safe and secure, but also explore their environment. And I think that that is such a powerful way that, you know, fathers just naturally engage with their children. But then there are also, I think, the um, biological mechanisms around health histories and just yes. what we bring um, in terms of the health of our children and having a full context around, you know, what they're predisposed to and those kinds of things. Um, and so we often don't talk about that aspect but I think yeah. those are equally important in terms of, you know, the role of the father and what the father brings to the life of the child. But then, you know, also being that support to the mother and making sure that, you know, she um, has the support 
uh, that she needs and that she has a partner. Uh, one of the, uh, the, the greatest experiences I've had is to do an infant observation with a new mom and a new dad and just to see how they interacted and kind of developed this partnership around their parenting. And it was just so beautiful to see how they were so in tuned with each other and could feed off of each other. And guess who benefited the most from that? The child. <laughs> and so I just think that's so important. But then there's also certain barriers, though, that prevent fathers from being engaged with their children. And so when working with fathers, what do you see as the biggest challenges or barriers they have in terms of parenting? Wow. So, yeah. So when I think about those, you know, barriers uh, to fathers' involvement, um, particularly in the context of the child welfare system, you know, I think some of the problems or the barriers are. Uh, some of its agencies mm. uh, and 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 workers' perspectives of of fathers. Um, you know, um, fathers are at times overlooked, um, specifically uh, non-resident fathers or incarcerated fathers. Um, at times, you know, um, and I don't think it's uh, always intentional, but I think, the engagement of fathers can be viewed as as kind of a, a burden or extra, right? You know, particularly when uh, it's a family structure where the mother and, and the father uh, they're not together. Um, it can be challenging. Uh, that can be a barrier. Um, but I think there's also some very real personal barriers. Um, in some instances, I think it's real that there's a lack of uh, realistic role models at times for some fathers. It just, like you said, there's no manual. Right. And depending on, you know, uh, the holding environment they came out of, you know, there might not be, how do I do this? And, and, and our culture, uh, though I think some great strides are being made, uh, doesn't always um, respond kindly to uh, fathers in particular really saying, I don't know, I want to do this. I have some innate desires, but I don't know how to do this really. Right. right. You know, uh, so, so there's that piece of it. Um, there are the, you know, some of the other, the ills of our day, substance use and abuse, uh, uh, relationship challenges, you know, involvement with the system, um, economics, you know, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, th those are different things that, that tend to be barriers that, I, that I've seen in my work with fathers and with families that all kind of coalesce into what can be from a father's perspective, just an insurmountable barrier I, you know even i've heard it said some you know in some instances where fathers have they themselves have articulated right. my child is better off without me mm, yeah. and that's really from a place of hopelessness not necessarily i don't want to be wow. but i can't all of these hurdles i'm not going to be able to do it right right and there's that lack of confidence and belief that they can it's like on one hand, I really want to engage, but then I doubt myself, right? And in some ways, um, I don't want to parent in the way that I was parented. And so yes. how do I parent differently? And so we're holding all of these perspectives um, that impact you know, our ability to engage with our children meaningfully. But then when you think about just the father-child dyad, that relationship is influenced by the relationship I have with the mother of my child. And then that yes. relationship is influenced by the family dynamic. And then that relationship is influenced by the systems and by the community. And you have all of these influences that are really ultimately impacting how fathers and to what degree they are able to, in, to interact with their child and develop a meaningful bond with them. 
And so these, yes. you know, are all layers, <laughs> right? That, yes. that fathers often have to um, work through just to maintain that consistent engagement and influence in the life of their children. Absolutely. And you, you raise something for me as you were uh, speaking, Andre, which is who comes alongside fathers mm. to say overtly, you are important. Mm. Yes. It's regardless of what your, what educational attainment you've acquired, uh, what your employment status is, uh, how you grew up or whatever. Life has happened in such a way for you that you've been gifted the opportunity to be a father and you are important, you are needed. Wow. Who comes along and, and gives fathers that message? Because one of the things I've seen as being a part of the system mm -hmm. uh, at times and, and from the society at large, there's a judgment. Mm -hmm. If you come into this father role, you're well off, you're educated and some of those kinds of things, you've got resources. Yes. The engagement has a tendency to look a little different. Right. But if you come in and you have a little bit of a history, mm -hmm. you know what I mean by that? A little bit of history. You've, you've had some, some troubles along the way yes. and, and you backed into fathering, right. you know, uh, there's a different set of, there's a different interaction. But what I've learned over time is the orientation of the caseworker, of the agency, their posture towards fathering. I came from kind of a, a background where I was fortunate mm -hmm. to understand that fathers are important, period. We, it's our job as the agency Yes. To figure out, given the context, doing our assessment work to figure out how can we come alongside to pull out the strengths. Right. Or in some instance, even help the father see like you have strengths, even if you're incarcerated, there's something we can do to help facilitate your positive involvement, yeah. even if in, in the context of there's some relational challenges, some co-parenting challenges. Yes. There's probably a way that we can work. It's, is, it, is it easy work? No, it isn't. Right. But in communicating with the family and the father, there's ways that we can help. We can't always, you, you don't, we don't fix people, but there's ways that we can support yes. that father's involvement if we're committed to that and we have that willingness to be open in our thinking about what that can look like. Yes. And I like how you, you started off by saying that fathers matter, right? That they are important and who is really sending that message? Because what I hear a lot is fathers not feeling as though they have agency, not feeling as though they are um, validated in their role um, in the baby's life or the child's life and oftentimes feeling invisible when they um, are going to systems and um, not you know, really being asked questions about what's happening with the child and really being taken gr uh, granted for, you know, in terms of um, their knowledge of what's happening. And so um, I think it's just so important that fathers are validated, that, you know, our systems um, really, you know, acknowledge the role and the contributions that fathers make. And I think that, you know, uh, we have all of these stereotypes that, you know, tend to come up around fathers like deadbeat fathers. And, you know, it really doesn't get at the root of why fathers are unable to be present in some cases. And sometimes we have to acknowledge that is by their own will. But too often, there are these barriers, they are these systems, they are these negative perceptions that prevent fathers from um, feeling as though they can um, be active and engaged in the life of their children. So have you seen any stereotypes or misconceptions regarding fathers um, by people who work in social services or child welfare? So, you know, we have the whole thing that's happening at home, but then when, you know, the um, child welfare system is involved, 
Um, what are what are some of these misconceptions and stereotypes, and how do these perceptions of fathers change the support that um, they do or don't get? Yes, so um, that's a big question, Andre. That's a very big question, um, and I want to be careful, you know, to uh, not diminish, you know. Uh, you know, um, individuals that are coming to this work with fathers, you know, with goodwill and wanting to do the right thing sure. um, by the families and fathers. But I, I, I can say that um, I have seen that um, uh, institutional uh, or structural racism has played a part in how, in particular, some of our African American, Latino, and Native. Uh, fathers are are engaged uh, because we know that they're um, more likely to experience have uh, more negative outcomes out of the gate. Yes, because the access to whether it be finances, employment, education, uh, health care, all those factors that contribute to being able to engage the uh, the the task of fathering in a in a um, productive way. And I, I have seen where there's been a struggle mm -hmm. to engage uh, fathers coming from some of these communities in particular. Yes. Um, so I, I have seen that. And, and again, as I stated a little bit earlier, um, I think within the child welfare system sometimes, you know, and I think it's true, you know, I think it's true in that it's this is extra work. And mm -hmm. what if the father by choice doesn't want to be involved, but I'm obligated to extend and develop a case plan and to reach out? Um, is it gonna be worth the effort if the father's gonna be in and out of, 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 of jail or if they're still in the, uh, involved with illegal activities? Uh, maybe there's a history of of, of domestic violence and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's an assumption when you start looking at some of these things that this child is, is safer or better by not engaging. But one of the things that I have learned, and, and it's, you know, uh, it, it, it can be a little controversial, mm -hmm. um, is having those factors don't necessarily negate the possibility of a father participating in a positive way. Right. And as a worker in the system, the onus is on us to have the curiosity about how, have there ever been times when, right. uh, because, you know, uh, mother and, father, you know, they may not be getting along. That that may be a real thing. Yes. Um, but if we ask the question, have there been times where dad has participated in a positive way? Yes. Mom, when you felt safe or what has happened? Because sometimes it's the larger family system getting involved. Yes. When I take Johnny to um, my father's mothers to their grandmother's house and dad is there he's a different person right there for some reason mm -hmm. and he's engaged differently we can't together do this but when we engage his side of the family there's some positive members there right that help him you know engage the task of fathering but that takes some curiosity that yeah. takes some openness that takes some real conversations Yes. with dad sometimes sometimes some scary conversations because it's we all come into relationship with one another with our own set of biases right everyone has them there's you know it would be not true to deny we do we do we do we you do. have this rap sheet on, on on dad or whatever or the story that you've received from mom mm -hmm. and you're coming into that interaction with some judgments already yeah. But we have to work to, I'm going to table those. I have that information, I'm informed, mm -hmm. but I'm going to intentionally assume a not knowing posture right. to give dad this opportunity. Yes. 
I love that not knowing posture and just taking a step back and saying, there's a lot that I don't know here, right? And I'm not going to make assumption, but I'm going to take time and I'm going to be intentional in my decision making to make sure that I'm being inclusive of the needs of the father. Wow. Isn't that amazing? If we could all just take that posture and it brings and this is a little off script, but it brings up another question that I have for you. And that is, do you feel that our child welfare system is inclusive enough of the needs of fathers? No, absolutely not. I think we made some strides. I want to, you know, acknowledge that. I mean, we're not where we were, uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, I think we have moved ahead, but I don't think we've moved ahead enough. It, it's not within the child welfare system, and I don't have the, the data in front of me necessarily, mm -hmm. but I know that there are a number of states that are yet on, uh, you know, involved in um, uh, what's called PIPs, where they're trying to make them make improvement, performance yeah. improvement, you know, yeah. and uh, it's still not automatic that when a child comes into the child welfare system, that fathers are reached out to in meaningful ways. We're yeah. not talking about just sending out a letter to the last known address, <laughs> right. but pulling the family, sitting down with, you know, whoever's available to really, who is this, who, who is dad? Right. What, what's his family system like? As much as we know, right. if we can't find dad, do we know any relatives that right. we can reach out to? Right. Um, that's still not a foregone conclusion in our practice. Yeah. Uh, it still requires um, a great deal of supervision within the child welfare system to ensure fathers are and, and not only fathers, but their, their family, that, that, that we're engaged in engaging the father and doing the family finding work right. that would lead us to a greater likelihood of the father being involved. We, we've got a ways to go yet there. Yes, and in even understanding what the implications are when there's a separation. Um, one of the things that we often don't really consider in developing case plans is how the child is going to be impacted when there is a separation, especially when they have already developed a bond. And so from a developmental lens, we know that, you know, children anticipate relationships. And when those relationships are broken, there is a psychological effect that can be long term for the children. And so here's another reason why we really have to be sensitive um, to, you know, where the father is, how we can, um, you know, bring the positive aspects of what the, the father has brought to the child's development and continue that. And I use, you know, for instance, you know, incarceration, you know, that is something certainly there may be some um, feelings of not wanting the child to go to visit the father, and that is understandable. But are there ways through letters or through FaceTime that, you know, that father's presence can still um, be there for the child um, in terms of just how we plan out when, you know, fathers are not engaged? And so, I think that um, you bring up so many good points in terms of just things that we, you know, can be considering to be more inclusive of the father as we as it as we relates to just the well-being of the child overall. And you've kind of alluded to some of this, but is there any more that you want to say about um, what you wish the child welfare workers were aware of when working with fathers? Yes, I think one of the things that I really would be, uh, I would want, and, you know, I've endeavored to, I don't know that I've done it perfectly, but I've endeavored to uh, understand that, you know, it's period, fathers are important, they're worth the, the extra time, the, the extra energy. And, you know, it's really about potentially the next generation we're talking about. If we're able, yes, maybe we can't control what has happened 
in that father's life, in that family system's life before our involvement. We can't control that, you know, but upon entry, humble entry into that family's life, into that child's life, that father's life, coming into that with the understanding that this father is important. Right. Regardless of the context, mm -hmm. there's much here. Even if the father, let's say in some of the worst case scenarios, if you will, mm -hmm. the father's deciding that at this juncture stage in his life that he's not able to participate. There's still a, you, you talked about this a little bit earlier, there's still a wealth of information because yeah. it may not be just what the father can do with his physical presence, but what about his family, the family system right. that he's a part of, that this child is also a part of, or is, has the potential mm -hmm. to be a part of in terms of shaping that child's identity in terms of learning, where do I come from? I know my mom, I, but when I'm going to school, I see other kids being picked up and they have a dad. Where's my dad? Who am I? Where did I come from? Mm. You know, who, who, who am I connected to? Mm. You know, uh, in terms of, you know, the whole issue of, of safety and belonging, you know, uh, those kinds of things. And oftentimes the father is a key connection to answering some of those questions. Yeah. And as and, and my hope is that workers would come in with a, a stubborn commitment mm. to this father is important. Yes. And I need to understand his, the context in which he's fathering and what his best hopes and dreams are for his child, even if he's not able to participate actively that right. doesn't preclude that he doesn't have hopes and dreams for his child. Exactly. And even for the benefit and welfare, well-being of the child, when the father can't be present, it doesn't negate the fact that the father's person, history, experience does not contribute to the child. So really understanding from a holistic perspective how the father contributes to the well-being of the child overall is equally important, whether they're present or not, right? And so I just, you know, that whole idea that fathers are important, if we could just, you know, tagline that, right? Fathers are important and there's so many reasons why, and it's not just about presence, right? Yes. It's not just about presence, but presence is very important as well. Can I add one other thing too? I think you just made, you triggered it for me, is in saying that fathers are important, we're not minimizing, we're not saying that mothers are less important. Thank you. Thank you know, we're not saying that, or that we're not saying fathers are more important. We're not saying that at all. It's not meant to, you know, in any way minimize uh, the value of the mother's role or uh, minimize in any way the mother's experience with father prior to their involvement or maybe even as a result of their involvement with the system. We're not in any way minimizing yeah. that. And, you know, I think it's also in saying that we're also, you know, not saying to, you know, not take into consideration you know, very real safety concerns, mm -hmm. um, very real feelings that a mother might have that, or trauma that may be present within the family system right. that the father contributed to. We're not saying that, you know, this in, in fact, in what I'm saying, it's, it, it's, it's messy and it's complex, mm -hmm. but it's worth the work, it's important. Right. Right. Yes. And so, yes, it is messy. And I'm glad you, you went there because that requires for the worker then to unpack some things. Right. And so in terms of strategy, are there strategies that you have um, employed that have worked to keep the child at the center, maintain, you know, a mutual um uh, consideration of both the needs of the mother and the father 
and has brought about positive outcomes for the family unit. Yes. So, um, so Andre, I, uh, as I, as my, through my formation as a human services worker and professional, uh, I was trained up on, um, a consult, the consultation and information sharing framework that you referenced in my introduction. Yeah. Uh, it's called safe and connected. And I learned that early on in my career. And what that uh, framework provides is an opportunity to look at why did the family come involved with our system? What are the risks we're concerned about if nothing changes? What are the complicating factors? What are the protective factors, the strengths that exist, as yeah. well as taking the time to look at what are the gray area and the most important aspects of, the, of that framework mm. is spending a time to do a robust genogram mm. with the parents, with the caregivers. And what that does is it gives, you know, by having that framework, I mean, I used to facilitate discussions when I was a supervisor using that framework and I grew up on it as a, as a worker and things of that nature. But it's in, so ingrained in my mind that one of the first things in terms of a strategy that I uh, would do as a, as a worker um, and I expected of those that I supervised and managed mm -hmm. was to really sit down and not just jump into the problems, but mm -hmm. who are you as a family? Who are the members of your family? Not just for the purpose of, you know, certainly, we, you know, especially in the context of child protection, we're thinking about reunification and all those things. Right. But more or less humanizing the relationship yes. between the system and the family. Hey, I'm not coming. Yes, I do have power or whatever you want to call that. I am a representative of the system. Yeah. I get that. But I want to see you as a person. Yeah. Mom dad i want to understand who you are not just in the context of the problem but the relationships that you have right. i want to understand you know your perspective of you know uh your strengths you know protective factors that exist within your family um what's making life hard for you um what do you see as you know uh, the road to what you desire for your children. What is that? Let's put that in the words. What do you want, dad, mm -hmm. mom, or mom even? What do you think dad wants mm -hmm. for the child? Really getting the family's perspective is kind of like ground, ground zero. That's where we start. Right. I, as, as a strategy, I think that has been powerful in that I think what it has done is is in, in many instances, it's really brought down the shoulders of the moms to really be able to step back and think, step back out of the immediate to look, to think broadly mm -hmm. and to uh, frame the, the context right. in, a, in, a, in a bigger, in a bigger way, more so than this immediate kind of tertiary circumstance. Exactly. Yes, and, and, and what I hear you saying in all of that is that relationships matter as well. Yes. And really focusing on the relationship dynamic within the family system is so important to making um, informed decisions about what's in the best interest of the child. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, we can't you know, take for granted certain relationships and overstep other relationships, but we, it all is a part of the context, right? And yes. the, that's the work is really understanding those relationships and how they contribute to where the child is right now and what the child needs in order to feel safe, in order to thrive, in order to be successful de developmentally. And so um, taking time, like, yes. <laughs> You know, not rushing to judgment, not making assumptions. All of these things are important to hold um, for workers and for anyone that is, you know, helping in a helping relationship with families is to really, you know, take that time and understand the relationships. And even that requires 
the worker to understand the relationship that they are developing to the family, right? (laughs) And so this is, you know, where reflective practice becomes such a helpful modality in really understanding how am I being impacted as a worker? What are my biases? What's coming up for me? And then what does that mean for this family? What does that mean for the outcomes um, that, you know, or the, the, the recommendations that I'm making? And what did it ultimately mean for the child? Because that's yes. why we're yes. all here. <laughs> we're all yes. here for the benefit yes. of the child, right? And yes. I'm a part of that equation, an important part, and I'm bringing a lot to the table right? As a worker, right? And so that's so important. So I got one last question and and I'm going to give you the last word on this because this has been such a powerful conversation. But as you think about everything discussed today, um, what are your top takeaways for child welfare workers? And what are some recommendations that you think are important for um, workers in particular to walk away with? Wow, so thank you, Andre, for that question. I'm gonna try to be succinct because I have a lot <laughs> firing oh, so right bad. now. We need another uh, hour. <laughs> yes, yes, a lot firing right now. But I think, you know, as I think about those takeaways is one, this is messy. Father engagement in the context of our society today and where we're at as a culture you know, family structures are changing and, you know, look, just, you know, it's not, you know, just always mother, father, kid, you know, sometimes it's mother, father, this, this relationship, you know, fathers are part of multiple different family systems, right? And it's not always easy. And, and there are, you know, um, the realities of, you know, um, systemic, issues and barriers and um, all of those things are very real. This is messy work. It's not just, it's, it's not simple. And so that's okay. That's real. We can acknowledge that. Right. But with that, understand that fathers are so important to the lives of children that it's worth wading through you know, all of the, the, the fog of those barriers and challenges to, to the possibility of a future where a child is receiving all that a father has to offer. It's worth the hard work, the extra of that. It, it's worth it. Um, so that would be one thing. You know, the, the second thing is, and you just hit on it just a little bit ago, uh, that reflective practice to really think through, you know, for workers, how do I feel about fatherhood, fathers in general, what's been my experience and what am I bringing to this relationship? Yes. You know, uh, that, so that, that would be another piece. And, and I think, you know, uh, for workers, uh, in particular, uh, Fathers often need advocacy. There there has to be work done to help connect. First of all, to understand what fathers are saying they need, not what we as an agency or whatever might think, but what are they saying that they need? Do that assessment work. Right. You know, do that assessment work. And and as you, as we're doing that that assessment work, help the fathers make those connections. Sometimes it is making... uh, a phone call to that agency on behalf of that father and and handing the father the phone and being there to help coach through some of those conversations. Sometimes it's meeting the father there to make that warm handoff. It might be very difficult to to, uh, go talk to a therapist. I've never talked to a therapist before or within my community that's not that that's not usually accepted. Right, right. Do that extra, do that extra work, you know, Um, and then, you know, bigger, a little bit bigger picture. uh, When we think about the community impact of fathers, don't shy away from building out programming with fathers. 
Mm. You know, one of the things I'm, I'm most proud of is I think about uh, my work with, with fathers and with families in particular was the building out of the Rochester Area Fatherhood Network. It started out with a collaboration between uh, professionals in the child and family services, corrections, child support, um, and some fathers with lived experiences. And the last time I checked, it's run primarily now by fathers in the community. Wow. Um, you know, maintaining that mindset that, you know, fathers have strengths and less create an environment for those strengths to come forward, uh, regardless of how they might look to, to, you know, really keep in mind that if the possibilities, if fathers have that space, if they know, if it's being communicated to them that they're important and we're investing resources in uh, allowing them to come forward and share their strengths within their families, we're gonna be better as a community yeah. and have that really be overt. I think we'd be positioned to do some pretty amazing things and address some uh, uh, serious negative outcomes that we're currently facing as a society broadly. Yes, drop the mic. <laughs> I think um, that is um, a good place to end when we look at some of the challenges. Um, we do certainly know that we can do something about it. Right. And it does start with uh, relationships. Um, Gil, you are a gift. Uh, you're a gift to fatherhood. You are a gift to our community and you are a gift to the field of social work. And I just um, appreciate having an opportunity to have this discussion with you today. And, um, you know, I just hope that we have more opportunities to do greater work together in the future. But, um, Thank you. Just thank you for all that you do every day and just for the heart that you bring to the work and just the thoughtfulness of, of your ideas and the way you articulate the needs of fathers and families um, is so, so impressive. And so thank you so much for this time. And um, I really, really enjoyed um, having this discussion today. Thank you, Andre. It's been just a wonderful time. I just am so honored and I'm so glad that we were able to connect and do this. And I too look forward to us connecting together and uh, seeing how we can support one another in advancing you know, uh, uh, fathers and their involvement in families in a positive way. Thank you. And thank you all for joining in today. And we hope that you are walking away with some uh, healthy nuggets on how you can improve um, your systems around father engagement and make more for a more inclusive environment for fathers and recognize that fathers are important. Fathers matter. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Early Development and Child Welfare podcast series. This podcast was supported in part by the Minnesota Department of Human Service Children and Family Services Division.